The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association presents Top of the Stretch, a podcast that looks at harness racing in the Buckeye State. Today on Top of the Stretch, a young man just really getting involved in the breeding industry in harness racing here in the Buckeye State. With us today, Andrew Beth. Andy, welcome to today's broadcast. Hey, Roger. How are we doing? Oh, we're doing fine. Uh, let's go way back to the very beginning. I believe you are a third-generation horseman. Your grandfather, uh-huh. Gibby Betts, was one of the top drivers in all of harness racing at one time, wasn't he? Um, just in his specific class, he, uh, he won a UDRS title back in the seventies. Uh, uh, I think it was in the hundred to 300 range for drives. So, uh, he was pretty good. Uh, I don't know about world class. Well, I'll tell you, he raced, uh, at the Meadows, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, there when I first, uh, arrived on the scene back in 1976. If uh, memory serves me correct, they were residents of Barnesville, Ohio, right? Yes, they they were at Barnesville. Uh, he trained his horses over at Old Washington uh, for a lot of years, and then he did go down to Woodsfield uh, once he got older. Did he have a, a large stable of horses, or was it rather small? Uh, usually it wasn't too big. I think the most he ever had was, uh, eight or 10. Uh, he started with six. Uh, he bought them as weanlings, uh, at a sale back in the, uh, mid sixties, uh, thinking he was just going to pin hook them and it was just a easy business prospect. Uh, that didn't exactly work out how he wanted it to. Uh, and then, uh, he ended up keeping them and, uh, learning how to train horses, and he actually ended up at the Meadows uh, the first year it opened. He raced the first week. Uh, he raced during opening week at the Meadows. Uh, he raced over at Wheeling and then also at Scioto and at Northfield some, but uh, with uh, Barnesville being so close to the Meadows, he usually uh, raced there and at Wheeling. Now, Gibby's son, your father, Barry Beth did not uh, necessarily get into uh, racing of horses, but he was uh, a top-notch vet at the Meadows and other locations uh, in his uh, career as a veterinary, correct? He uh, he actually went to Ohio State. Uh, I think it was actually during his undergraduate career, he actually had his only drive. Uh, it was at an Ohio Fair uh, my grandfather had gotten injured in a training accident the day before, so he sent my dad up. Uh, I wasn't Xenia. I think it was Carrollton. He, uh, he uh, sent him up there with the trailer and the horse, and uh, uh, it was paramutual wagering, and he was driving the big favorite, uh, and he uh, went over a bump on the track where the trucks had been driving across all week, and the horse went off stride, and he got to, apparently he got booed the entire uh, length of the stretch. So he uh, decided being a, a driver wasn't for him. Yeah. Now, 
as a veterinary, uh, his main practice uh, uh, before his death was right there at the Meadows, and uh, he probably had the, one of the biggest practices of all the veterinarians uh, working there at the Meadows. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, he had probably the three largest accounts uh, at the Meadows, and uh in every direction you can count. Uh, we would drive out to Sabra Farm sometimes to do work, uh, even out to Woodsfield uh, for the guys out there. Uh, as far east as New Jersey, we uh, go out and work for a week at a time sometimes. It's just uh, dependent. As a youngster, let's go back as far as we can go back in your memory. What is your first recollection of harness racing? Uh, my first recollection would honestly, that I can remember like crystal clear, uh, would be uh, going to the meadows and uh, making a winning bet as like an eight-year-old. I remember I liked the color green, so I bet on the four horse and he won and paid like $12. I thought it was the best thing ever. Now, you have two brothers, correct? Yeah, uh, my older brother, Tim, uh, and then my younger brother, Scott. So you're the middle son. Yep. Are they involved in racing as well? Um, yes. Uh, my older brother lives with me here in Ohio. I live up in uh, Parma near uh, Northfield. He lives in uh, Broadview Heights, uh, about 15 minutes away. Uh, but he's actually uh, a director for the uh, MSOA board uh, as well as an owner. Uh, and then my little brother has actually uh, been the second leading trainer at the Meadows for the last couple of years. How big of a stable of horses does he have? Uh, it was up near 60 at one point, uh, but he he's uh, cut back a little bit. He just couldn't uh, get the amount of help he needed. And then because he had so many, he was shipping to Poconos, Northfield, Scioto, Indiana, <laughs> all, all by his lonesome. And it was uh, getting a little bit uh, hectic. So he's, he's cut back to about 40 or 45 right now. And things are getting a little easier. Now, Tim also uh, finds some time to go work with uh, Scott as well, right? Yeah, he uh, he likes to go down uh, on his off days and uh, jog and train them. Uh, he loves to spend time with the trotters, uh, just trying to make sure they stay trotting. Uh, that's one of the reasons, actually, uh, we got uh, more involved in Ohio. We had usually just raised a couple of our older, nicer horses uh, at Northfield Thumb. Uh, but we ended up actually buying about uh, eight uh, yearlings uh, in 2019 that were Ohio breds and uh, raised them over here in the sire stakes and the fair stakes a little bit. Have you got heavily involved as far as going and jogging horses or and owning horses and such? you ever think about being a driver to fill out the, the round table of that operation? Uh, I don't think driving is in the cards, at least for me and Tim. We're uh, 
we're six uh, three and six four, so we're uh, we're we're might be a little bit too big to jump on the bike every day. But uh, Scott has played around the idea of getting his uh, amateur license and and racing in the amateur races. But I don't think we're going to be uh, driving uh, regularly anytime soon. What business are you involved in outside of racing? Uh, I own a marketing business. I'm uh, getting off the ground here now. Uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, it's I, I had formerly done insurance, but uh, I ended up uh, selling my agency and uh, opened up my own marketing agency. And that's located up at Parma? Yep, Parma, Ohio. Okay. Um, what came about your involvement with Ohio State's ATI program in Worcester? Uh, a few years ago, I was actually looking for a place to uh, board my mares. I've been out here in Ohio uh, pretty much the last 10 years since I went to school here. Uh, and uh, I wanted to move a couple of my – we have a couple of homebred brood mares that we play around with, uh, and I was looking – I had, was living in an apartment at the time, so I was looking for a place that was pretty close and, you know, I knew would do a good job. And uh, I ended up finding uh, Ohio State a, uh, ATI, which is their Agricultural and Technical Institute, uh, and uh, – Sent my mares there. They did a good job. I got a couple of babies out of them, and uh, just been working with them ever since. Now, ATI actually has been in business for a number of years, and it started out almost like a vocational school with a harness racing program, didn't it? Um, yeah, they they when they first started, they did have the harness racing program. Uh, I think a while back, whenever Ohio was kind of down, we weren't producing a lot of horses. That program had gone away, but uh, in recent years, they they had had a couple of studs stand there, and they've been steadily working on improving their stock uh, since then, especially the last couple of years. Uh, the girl that's uh, running the equine uh, portion of it, uh, Aspen Adams, uh, has has really worked to improve uh, not only their breeding stock, but how they're uh, uh, selling their yearlings. They used to just sell them as weanlings. Now they're holding on to their yearlings, and they actually just uh, had a record for the highest uh, yearling that, uh, sale that they've ever produced this past year. Now, your family's got a, a trainer, you've got an owner, your involvement uh, as an owner as well. What made you decide to get into the breeding business of our industry? Uh, it was just a, a great opportunity. Uh, I uh, had owned uh, a share in Down by the Seaside who has been absolutely amazing the last three years and has filled his book again. Uh, already in Ohio, uh, and uh, you know, I with that share, I, I worked closely with uh, Diamond Creek, and the opportunity uh, came up to acquire uh, Lost in Time, uh, and it it just made sense to to jump at it and uh, you know see if we can make a business out of it. Lost in Time 
was the two-year-old of the year in his two-year-old season, won in excess of $600,000. And uh, I remember at the awards dinner in Florida, uh, part ownership of Lost in Time was given to uh, professional wrestler Ric Flair. And I, I met him that particular night, and he became a part owner. And then Lost in Time as a three-year-old uh, got started and was listed as going to be one of the top three-year-olds in the business. But uh, his career on the racetrack uh, uh, came to a screeching halt with an injury. Is that correct? Yeah. At, uh, at two, he, he won the Metro, the Governor's Cup, uh, one of the international stallion stakes, uh, you know, was in the Breeders' Crown, you know, was really one of the top Colts. Uh, and then his fourth start uh, at three was the North America Cup. He ended up finishing third, and uh, he uh, broke a sesamoid uh, in that race, and he just never made it back to the track. Now, lost in time this year, uh, stood in Indiana, uh, what turned you on about Lost in Time? Why did you go after this guy in, in particular? Uh, I mean, just, you know, if you watch his replays and look at his record, you know, if if not for his injury, you know, he was going to be one of the top three-year-olds of his year, which included Lather Up, who's standing uh, down at Joe McLeod's place, Sugar Valley, uh, right now. Um, you know, uh, that's actually who he finished third to in the North America Cup. Uh, you know, he, if not for his injury, his lines could look more like he, you know, he took a mark of 48 and two and, you know, made a million and a half. And he'd been standing in Pennsylvania for the last two years for $12,000. Like very easily could have gone that way if not for his injury. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it, it was a, an opportunity that had a ton of upside, not only because I'd be standing here in Ohio, but also the horse uh, has a ton of upside that he, he never really got to showcase at three, even though he was one of the top uh, two-year-olds. Lost in time will fit in well uh, standing here in Ohio. And what's your feeling on the uh, state of the industry for the Buckeye State? Uh, it's pretty great. I, I think uh, – Ohio is really the driving force uh, behind the increase in the total amount of bulls uh, born in, in North America. Uh, you know, I, I want to say that we have something close to 1,800 bulls uh, so far in 2020. Uh, I can't remember. I saw USDA put something out about it, about the increase in bulls. But, you know, this is the state to be in, you know. Uh, like I was, I I know we had discussed a little bit earlier. Uh, you know, down by the seaside, standing for uh, you know six thousand dollars. If you went to the yearling sales this year, his his foals averaged fifty five thousand, and I think that's a statement on how people feel about uh, Ohio. Uh, really, I mean, any any stallion you look at, from you know ones that are five hundred dollars to six or seven thousand. You know, you could have an Ohio State Sire Stakes champion and have a good horse out of them. It's it's a very level playing field. 
that everybody can get in on. And I think just the numbers that we're doing in Ohio uh, speak to that, really. His stud fee, uh, reasonably priced, it seems. Yeah, uh, he stood last year uh, for $3,000. Uh, he, he had 42 mares that he bred last year in Indiana. Uh, I had considered it leaving at 3000 uh, and actually, I had talked to uh, a farmer or two out in New Jersey that were interested at, at standing him for 4000 out there. But just between, like, looking at, you know, where our states are comparatively between New Jersey and Ohio, you know, I, I thought that, you know, not only bring him here to Ohio so I'd be a lot closer and can manage it a little bit easier, uh, but just the number of mares that he could have and the quality of mares that he would be seeing in Ohio would be better uh, than he would get anywhere else. Uh, and then the other thing, too, is, like, I – well, not only me, but my family believe in giving back to the people that have helped us, and, and ATI has been a huge help to me. So, uh, you know, I, I thought that, you know, I probably could have made a better profit standing him somewhere else and keeping the stuff be a little bit higher. But uh, that doesn't, you know, it's not going to help uh, other people as much. And, and, and that, was, that was one of the reasons I, I, I was standing him at ATI is just, just because it not only is close to me, but it's giving an opportunity to, for, for kids that are still in school that are looking at an agricultural uh, career uh, a chance to work on what I think is a pretty high level. So there's a number of reasons why Lost in Time uh, is at ATI and then not at another location in the Buckeye State. And that hands-on opportunity, uh, uh, ATI uh, has a fine facility, and uh, it's larger than a lot of people probably realize, isn't it? Didn't you just say something like 300 acres of property? Uh, yeah, I, their, their entire, they have probably, I want to say they have at least three or four farms down in the Wooster area. Uh, the equine center is technically in Apple Creek. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's a whole program for, uh, uh, beef and dairy cattle, uh, uh, regular agriculture, food. Uh, the because it's the technical institute, they also have a culinary institute there, uh, and uh, it's it's a pretty great place. Uh, like I said, it's it, I have my mares down there, uh, and I'm going to be standing my stallion down there. So, uh, and the other nice thing too is like we're exposing uh, students that might not have you know an experience with standard breds or just you know somebody that you know, was a riding horse person that never even, didn't even know what a standard red was. And, you know, now they're getting the opportunity to, to be exposed to them and see as a possible future career and growing our numbers that way as well. Thank you for listening to Top of the Stretch. Top of the Stretch podcasts are a presentation of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association.